Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gabbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hankst, and today is December 8th, 2020, which means I'm on day 360 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. First up, folks, I got a B-Day shout-out for one of my old-school homies that I've known for basically my entire life, Cody Weiniger. Happy birthday to you, sir. You absolutely deserve a day of relaxation. Maybe get yourself a joint, a bottle of booze, kick back and relax. This dude works extremely hard for his family. He's a super loyal and good friend. He would have your back at any time if you needed him. Not to mention, I fully recall on the baseball field this guy's ability to absolutely crush a baseball. I mean, massacre this thing over a fence. He just had that natural strength that I never had at that young age. This dude is a hard worker, a family man, a good friend, and an all-around big-hearted individual. Happy birthday to you, Cody. Hope it's a fantastic day. You absolutely deserve it. Folks, new movie review, The Last Thing He Wanted. Well, I'm pretty sure The Last Thing He Wanted was not to make a movie that sucked this bad. It stars Anne Hathaway, Ben Affleck, Willem Dafoe. You would think with those three stars, this movie would be great. It was not. For the first half of the movie, absolutely no human being on the planet would have any idea what the real plot of this film is. Finally, you realize it's about a reporter who's trying to figure out something that her strange and unusual father was on the brink of figuring out, which is uncovering a conspiracy involving El Salvador gorillas and not gorillas like actual monkeys, but the G-U-E version. And, you know, Ben Affleck plays a politician who has a big part in this conspiracy and tricks her into trusting him, and it backfires in the end, and Anne Hathaway gets killed at the very end of the... You know, it's just a big pile of crap is what it is. I'm sorry. But don't waste your time on the movie, the last thing he wanted, because... If somebody on their deathbed had seen this movie and made a request to you and they were a man, then I would believe that the last thing he wanted was for you to not watch the last thing he wanted because that would be wasting your life. Yeah, this movie sucked. Don't watch it. I'm giving it a 2 out of 10. It was garbage. Complete garbage. Sorry, Anne Hathaway. Which, you know what? Actually, most movies that have her in it that I've seen, I don't like. I don't know if it's just her specifically or if she just does garbage movies. But I've seen tons of movies that I don't hate that have Ben Affleck in them. I've also seen a ton that have Ben Affleck in them that are garbage. So the dude will do anything, it seems like. But Willem Dafoe, I mean, now that guy I thought had standards. I can't pick another movie out that Willem Dafoe's done that I don't like. So I don't know what he was doing in the mix of this, but don't watch it. 
The last thing he wanted, two out of ten, garbage. Well, folks, remember Redbox? Yeah, the place you used to go on a Friday night to pay a buck twenty-five or two bucks or whatever it was to rent a DVD out of a kiosk. And then when you put your credit card info in or it didn't swipe or you rested your wallet on top of the red box and forgot it or you never returned a DVD to the red box and got charged 25 bucks or somebody scratched it to hell and so you couldn't watch it before you when you rented it all these cool things that used to deal with with red box well now they're attempting to remain relevant since nobody uses their worthless kiosks anymore by offering free on-demand movies through the Redbox app on Roku TV. Yes, so if you have a Roku stick, you should be able to get yourself some free on-demand with ads through Redbox. I can only guess that the content available will be crap like Redbox is as a company. And apparently Redbox came out with free live TV earlier this year, about 88 channels, and I recognize maybe five of them. It's all the garbage channels nobody watches that are obscure, strange, and unusual channels. Obviously, that's why they're able to put it on there for free. But either way, if you are so broke and begging so much for some more content out there in the world, check out the Redbox app. They have things for you. It's not for me because, I mean, I have too much already. I've got a box with everything, every, absolutely everything on the planet built into the box. And it streams like ridiculous amount of stuff. But then if I don't have that, I've got Amazon Prime Video. I've got Disney Plus. I've got Netflix. I mean, there's just too much already out there that somebody you know has who will let you log into their account at your house and you won't even have to pay anyways because somebody else somewhere pays. Redbox is meaningless. But this is their attempt to remain relevant. And there I've said it. I gave them a free commercial. Here you are, Redbox. You, you, you know what? You deserve this for all those nights that I stood in line at a gas station to get a Blu-ray disc from you. And you ran out because the person in front of me rented the last one. Or nobody would return the red boxes at the same place where everyone would rent the red boxes. So there would never be any movies. Or the opposite. I would go to a red box to return a movie. And it was full. It wouldn't be allowed to take any more discs in. And so I'd go to another one and it was full again. Which is because everyone rented them from an outside red box. But returned them to the ones near the beach. Either way. I remember a vicious cycle I was once caught in with red box where... I had to rent one every time to return one because the red box by my house was always full. I don't have to be in that cycle anymore. And now with the red box streaming, neither do you. SpaceX is looking to impress the world today by going higher than it's ever gone in its Starship rocket, eight miles up, and then reversing course and landing upright back on planet Earth. And 
I gotta tell you, from what I've seen in a lot of rockets, I'd say in the past couple of years, I expect an explosion. I feel like no matter what, one out of five rocket launches nowadays ends in a complete and absolute explosion. So, if you want to witness one, I'd say there's a one in five chance that that's what's going to happen with the Starship rocket today, with the SpaceX launch, which they are going to televise. Well, I'm not sure about televise, but they're going to make a video of it. So, you'll at least be able to see it on YouTube or probably some sort of live streaming scenario. But I got to be honest, I truly thought by this day and age, by 2020, there would be some amazing rocket ships flying around everywhere, taking people back and forth to the moon, to Mars, to all these places, and landing perfectly, no problem. In fact, I thought they would have done so much testing and they had would have prepared so much that I wouldn't even feel uncomfortable getting in one of these rockets. But I'm telling you right now, no amount of money could get me in to a rocket right now from any of these companies, whether it be NASA, a Russian space agency, you know, SpaceX, Virgin, Galactic, anything. I'm not getting in one of these. I've seen them explode too many times. There is no level of confidence yet in me or probably in a lot of astronauts that would let them feel safe enough to be in these rockets. I know the, the SpaceX Dragon actually shimmied some people up to the International Space Station and brought them back. So that's, you know, that's a positive example that it could work. That is proof that some of these things don't explode. But when you're doing this testing just to see if you can get these, you know, space or the Starship rocket to perfectly land back on planet Earth after an eight-mile soaring into the sky. I mean, these are like the beginning stages of things. This is way before people hop onto a rocket and take a quick vacay to Mars for a couple weeks. I mean, that that is so far away still. I feel like I'm dead 100% before a person lands on Mars, and I'm saying that right now. There's going to be too many explosions, too many setbacks, you know, too much testing that needs to happen first. SpaceX might not even be a company by the time that day happens. Now, I don't know what what company will be the one to take people to Mars. I'm not positive about that, but I just don't see it happening in the foreseeable future. So have a good time with this Starship rocket launch today, SpaceX. I'll be watching because I know... It'll probably explode. A lot of big name celebrities, producers, and directors are pissed with Warner Brothers about HBO Max, including Christopher Nolan, who is the creator of the movie Tenet, which I told you before was awesome. I understand this guy's frustration. I mean, HBO Max or Warner Brothers, came out to say that HBO Max will be carrying these major titles at the same time as their launch into theaters, which could very well cost the people that made these movies millions of millions of dollars in losses. Because what they expect when they put a movie out to theater 
is that tons and tons of people are going to go watch it. The initial sales they get from theater goers takes up a lot, you know, gives a lot of money, feeds tons of money into the original launch of the movie. And then a couple months later, they launch it again on Blu-ray and digital copy and video on demand. And they get another wave of money. And then they eventually show it on like TNT and TBS where they get their final wave of money, you know, a couple of years later because of the commercials and everything involved. So there's waves of money that come with releases of big time, big motion pictures. But in the case of this HBO Max scenario, if they go straight to the streaming service, no one is going to go to theater to see them. I said this already. If it's 15 bucks for a month of HBO Max, then why would you pay 15 bucks for two people to go to a movie one time, one day? When you can have 30 days of the same thing available for 15 bucks in your home. You don't have to leave, which is what they're telling everyone we can't do anyways. We can't leave. I feel like this streaming service is in line with the stay-at-home order, though. Because a lot of the population of people that go and spend money to see movies happen to be here in California, where a lot of the movies are made. And we're not allowed to leave anyways. We can't go to the theaters. They're telling us, stay at home, don't go to the theaters. A lot of theaters here are closing down. So I'd say this is perfectly in tune with what the world wants anyways right now, which is nobody to leave their house, and still a way for these companies and these movies and these producers and directors to make money. But Christopher Nolan is not having it. He is pissed. He says HBO Max is the worst streaming service of all time, and that... The worst part about this is that it was a secret and they came out with the information that they were going to allow streaming of the movies like Dune and The Matrix 4 and Tenet on the same time as they're putting these movies into theater. Now, I get that that would piss off somebody who made a masterpiece of a movie like Tenet and wanted to make sure people could only see it exclusively in theaters by spending tons of money, and these are all the reasons why he's upset. But for me, I'm sorry, Christopher Nolan. I'd rather sit in my house at this point and watch the movie in my own home theater than go out there and get ridiculed for not having my mask on as I eat popcorn in a movie theater that's probably empty and only has two or three other people in it anyway and still cost me 10 bucks a ticket. I'm not doing it. You know, I'd rather be at my house. So deal with it. HBO Max, I say, made the right choice. A lot of people are going to hate me for this. A lot of people hate HBO Max. A lot of people hate Warner Brothers in general. People just hate. Now Christopher Nolan's one of those haters. <laughs> Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast we all know and love. And that is Real Stories, brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And folks, speaking of hating, like Christopher Nolan hates HBO Max, I remember a time when I learned real quick that I hated cigars. Yes. First time I ever smoked a cigar, I'll never forget. I was riding my bike with a good friend of mine by the name of Nick Ramsdale, and we were riding through a pathway that led to a bridge across a creek, 
which was right next to our elementary school called Butternut Creek Elementary. So perhaps the creek itself was Butternut Creek. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was. And as we're riding our bikes across this bridge, uh, we get to the other side and go up this little pathway to the neighborhood. And I see clearly what is either a perfect straight log of poop or a cigar. And I knew it was a cigar. I mean, it was wrapped in plastic. So I knew it was a cigar. And I just, I pull my bike over real quick and I pounce on this thing. And I, I declare that it's mine. It's mine, I yelled. Now, Nick didn't even know what I was doing. He's like, what is yours? What are you talking about? And I'm like, I found this. And I raised it up like I was hoisting a sword that I had just pulled from a stone to prove that I was the true king and showed this guy that I just found us a big old fat cigar still wrapped in plastic untouched. Now, I don't think he was too impressed. He was like, what did he do, man? You found a cigar. But I was like, I was ready for this. I couldn't wait. I had seen people in movies smoke cigars. I, they looked really cool. You know, I'd seen some old film of Babe Ruth. I'd seen some old film of all kinds of guys that just loved smoking cigars. And I thought this would be awesome if we smoked this cigar. But today was not the day. We we're on our way home already. If we took a detour, if we had to go find a lighter, if we spent our time smoking the cigar and then came home smelling like cigars, I knew we would have been caught. Now, we were young at this point. We were probably, I mean, maybe 12, probably 11 years old. And I figure the only way to conserve this cigar for future usage is to stash it somewhere where we found it so that I could remember everything. You know, I didn't know how long it was going to be before we could smoke the cigar. So I went back on the path a little bit and got to the bridge. And I knew there was a perfect stash spot under the bridge, like where there's a little lip of wood that sticks out, but no one would ever check this spot for anything because it just doesn't make sense unless you've stashed something there. So that's what I did. I took the cigar. I reached underneath the bridge stashed it on that little propped piece of wood that stuck out and there I had what I knew would be a great time someday and I decided to come back a little while later. So we come back, you know, probably a week later after we've planned out a day that we can smoke this cigar. We have a way to light it. We have everything prepped. We know what we're doing, we think, but we really don't because we didn't have one of those razor blade snippy things that cuts off a piece of the cigar before you smoke it or any of that. We really had no clue how to smoke a cigar except that you light one of the ends, which we also didn't know which end to light. But we figured it out because the cigar, I remember, had a little bit of a smaller hole for the mouth part of it and then a wider hole for the part that you lit. So at least that was proof that we know how to light the cigar. So we meet up at the park. I get my stashed cigar, which was still there perfectly. And, you know, it rains in Oregon a lot. So there very likely could have been rain. But the stash spot, I mean, it was just a perfect stash spot. To this day, if I need to stash something, I would go do it there, even though I just told you where it was. So I reached up. I grabbed the cigar. It's perfectly preserved. I slowly peel off the plastic to ensure that I don't break it or bend it or anything weird. I've removed the plastic from the cigar. I'm ready to light this thing up. I spark a lighter. I don't even think we had a lighter. We probably had matches. I strike up some matches, 
and huff this thing to get it going. And I pass it to my friend. He huffs it. He passes it to me. And I realize right away, this thing tastes like crap. Like it tastes like I'm smearing dog shit into my mouth and breathing in. Like I don't even know why people smoke cigars to this day. I have no idea. And I've smoked cigars since then. It's not like that's the only one I've smoked. Perhaps it was stale from sitting outside. Perhaps it was a cheap cigar. It doesn't matter. Cigars are gross. Not to mention you don't inhale them anyways. So what is the point? But that day I learned real quick what happens if you do inhale a cigar. I took a fat puff. I wanted a buzz. So I huffed it and breathed it in deep. And oh man, a buzz I did get. For a solid 10 minutes, I was like loopy headed. Just felt like my brain was full of hot air instead. And I hated it afterward because I felt a little bit ill. And we ended up putting out the cigar about maybe a third of the way into it. And we considered saving it. You know, should we save the rest of the cigar and and smoke it another time? And then we both realized, you know what? We don't even want this. This is gross. This is just a weird thing that nobody wants to do. And now we smell like shit too. And we need to find somebody's house where we can like wash up before we face our parents and they know we've done something. So we figured it out, you know, we covered our tracks, we got rid of the remaining bit of cigar, and we had a story to tell, that's for sure. But uh, at least I knew at a young age that cigars are gross. To this day, I don't actually know a single individual who smokes cigars on a regular basis. I don't know anyone. And that's crazy. I mean, I know hundreds of people. I can't name a single one who smoke cigars on a daily basis. I think it's an old fad. It's over. It's done. People use them now to remove the tobacco and roll blunts, and that's it. I'll smoke a blunt any day. But cigars are gross, and that's how I learned about them. Big shout-out to Nick Ramsdale, who I know was with me when I found that cigar. I'm not even sure he was with me when I smoked it, but I know he was with me when I found it, and I miss that guy. Thank you for listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. Hope you're having a fantastic day in the new lockdown era where we're all supposed to stay at home and do nothing once again and somehow still pay our bills. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk to you all tomorrow. I don't know what it is about today, but it just feels like an Aesop Rock type of day. And one of my favorite songs by Aesop Rock is Labor, off of his Labor Days album, and... The guy is just a kooky individual, and I think that's why I love him. He's got a new album out, but here's one of his oldies, but goodies, Labor by Aesop Rock. Well, oil perfectionist emblem Just to watch these monitors spit white noise through your office space Automator, I affect jolly G-pools Descending cloud clusters Brushing dust lights off your starving all revolution sound jugglers Delinquent vent for brick habitat Bob weep, stick, move vents And pause somewhere in the middle for slick invention This year's brain crop spread spectacular I manage it, oh, stay mad at the caliber Tally up the alley, cat aggression in this thuggy, fresh, infested, mess of baseline lust. An automatic B-boy, crawl on can't combust circuit.
work in these war pick ciphers with head striker stability and kamikaze chivalry. I alone, noble in a warm food feud. Walking dead generation, ain't nobody asking for your patience. Grand opening holding me to face the fact I knew myself and didn't have to ask nobody else about labor. Fantastic predator chip for the working, searching for pertinent verse minus the murderous diversions. Apologies won't lure me to the communal side story, nor will I sacrifice lifestyle to benefit jury temperament. This old green goblin web cut up what's up against Crayola daydream landscape spinning bedlam. Charge the villagers nickels and nicotine to watch a fed for one disgruntled crack at a high noon. Some popcorn beer and balloons. I got an inkling it's gonna be the one the children bicker over. It's that warriors versus baseball fury element. The glitches, motor sensory development. I am a star, really. That big bang bastard's back with a one-way ticket to Beach Street. This all is life relevant. The human kind supply demand ratios, man, learn it. I work past the surface. I work on what I love. I work the surface on my burdens. And I work until it's here that I'm flatline closes the curtains. Yeah.